Hi, I'm Kevin. This time I don't look like. So grateful to be asked to speak tonight. Um, when somebody asks me to do any sort of service for AA, I always say yes, please. Um, there's just nothing I could say that I could do to give back to a program that has saved my life. I'm really nervous. <laughs> um, what it was like for me growing up. Uh, you know, I, I had a really regular kind of childhood. I had a fantastic mother and father, uh, two brothers, um, and, and just a lot of love in my house. You know, there, I, I didn't see anything wrong with the way that I grew up. Um, my father was in the military, so very strict kind of family household. However, we did have a lot of parties. There was always drinking. Um, my parents basically every weekend had people coming over, so... Um, alcohol to me was like, you know, just a normal part of life. It's just what everybody did. Um, at the age of six, I was uh, born with a gift. I say that God blessed me in the gift of music. Um, I was considered what they call a musical prodigy. Um, at six years of age, I picked up piano um, very quickly. Uh, by the time I was 12 years old, I was uh, taking first-year uh, classical music classes at the university in Brandon, Manitoba. At age 14, I was teaching music. I'd finished all my conservatory exams. Um, so basically, I was very bored. I get bored very easily. I always kind of wanted more. So with my, uh, with my piano, I would take a, a grade of piano every year, and then I just wanted to speed up the process. I wanted to learn quicker, get better quicker. So I was taking two years every, every year instead of one year like most kids. Um, I was a loner, you know, I never really felt like I was a part of anything. Um, I just kind of kept myself, all I had was my music. That's all I wanted back then, you know, it's something that I could relate to. Um, and then what happened? So my uh, first drink, I was 13 years old. I remember going to a friend's house, and uh, it was my 13th birthday, actually, New Year's Eve, and uh, her older sister asked me if I would like a drink. I said, sure, and I took that drink, and I guzzled that drink, and I had that whole, like that, which you guys know how that feels. There was something so exciting about this drinking thing that I continued to drink until I blacked out that night. And then the next morning I woke up and called my mom and I said, Mom, can I stay another night? I'm just having so much fun at the sleepover. She let me stay and again I got drunk and again I blacked out. When I got home from that weekend of uh, my first kind of party event, all of a sudden my music wasn't so important to me because all I could think about was drinking and how amazing I felt when I did. So... Basically, what happened from there is I, I drank, you know, to practice my piano, all the pressure of these exams and the things that were happen, happening for me at such a young age. Alcohol helped me, you know, and helped me get through that pressure. So I would just steal from my parents' liquor habit. And that's kind of how I supported myself, you know, <laughs> through the secret drinking that I did at such a young age. When I hit high school, you know, 
this is where I started to feel like I need to, to kind of make some friends and do things, right? And, and, and having the liquor in my system was uh, something that made me like feel like it was okay to talk to people and like maybe boys would notice me or, you know, so that was kind of my, my liquid courage. And then there was this really awesome high school rock band that I used to see. They come to my young, in my elementary years, this band used to come up play. And I always said, I want to be in that band one day, you know, like I want to be a rock star one day. And I played Mozart and this little nerdy girl on the piano. So I try out for this high school rock band and uh, I'm like, I'm just going to sing, I guess. I'll see if I can sing. And, and I guess I was pretty good at it because I made it. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so uh, I was teaching piano, singing in the rock band, still doing my classical music as well. I'm going to university. I was 14 years old. Um, so in, throughout my high school years, I didn't spend a whole lot of time actually in school because I was out school, you know, playing in competitions and singing in concerts and uh, competing, you know, any which way I could. We'd have band trips where we'd go out and, and I remember, you know, finding someone to pull booze for us so we could hide them in our suitcase and, and go compete in these like bad geek events, I call them, but we'd all be drunk, you know, and, and me more so than everybody else. It just was something I did. When I was 15 years old, I started getting uh, a little antsy. I didn't like the fact that I had to pretend or, you know, hide the drinking, so I moved out. Um, my parents weren't very happy with me over that, but I just figured if I move out, I can drink whenever I want, right? They didn't even really know, like, that I had any sort of drinking issues because I was like the prodigy child, you know, playing music and being the goody two shoes and this and that. But I had this whole other life that people didn't even know I had. I didn't like the rules. I wanted to do everything my way. So my parents thought that if I moved out, they, they are freaking out. You know, you're not going to finish high school. You're going down a bad path, all this stuff. and. So I said, I'll show you, right? So I worked extra hard, somehow functioning alcoholic at that young age, and I graduated from high school at 16 years old. So I had about eight months downtime till university. I'd already been accepted and, and won scholarships to go to a classical music school for piano. Had about eight months of downtime, so what better way to use that downtime but just play music and get drunk? That's what I did, it's what I knew, right? So. Before university started, um, people kind of, like a small town that I grew up in, so people always kind of knew me as like the, the mighty little girl that could outdrink any grown man, you know? And I, it just felt so good. Like people, I was good at something besides music. I was good at something and I was drinking, right? So before university, I remember going into uh, the student union drinking spot the night before university started and, and uh, they didn't ID me and then they offered me a job. So I'm working at the university bar at 17 years old because everybody thinks that that mighty little girl that drinks so much is 18, and I wasn't. So when I started school, then it was way cooler for me to go to the student union drinking spot than it was to actually apply myself in my music. So my parents actually said, they're like, all the money that I got for scholarships went towards making me a wicked pool player. So I dropped out of university within the first few months and decided that singing was for me. 
So I uh, traded my Mozart for Led Zeppelin, and I joined a rock band, and I, I got to tour Canada for 13 years. You guys could just imagine what happens with a rock star <laughs> on the road and what kind of life that led to for me. Um, in between my touring, you know, when I wasn't making money, even when I was on the road making money, you know, I never saw any of it because it basically just fed my habit. That's what it was there for. So I just go out and drink and, and sing and come home and I had nothing to show for it, right? So in between, I would grab jobs, like working in restaurants mainly. I was fired from every single job. And that's something I had to kind of come to terms with coming into AA. It was like, I still had excuses, right? Like, I'm management material. You know, like the reason I got fired is because I'm better than the manager. I should be running this place. I should be like, that's just the way I was. The mentality, right? The insanity. Like the boss was always wrong and I deserved, you know, none of the treatment that I got from them. So my son was born at 28 years of age. I got pregnant with my first son. Probably the best thing that could have happened to me. I was so excited. Um, it was the longest period of sobriety I've ever had in my life was those nine months. And I was miserable. I hated it. <laughs> you know, I'm so excited to bring this life into the world. And all I can think is how shitty it is that everybody else is drinking around me and I can't join in the fun. You know, it's the first time I ever DD'd and I never did it again. I did not want to be that person. So basically the minute that he was born, you know, I'm like, okay, how much time, you know, I got, this is the insane, I'm going to say this, like women that know what breastfeed, right? I spent hours researching how I pump it dump so I could go out and get shit faced and still breastfeed my kid. You know, I spend more time doing that than I do trying to be a mother. You know, I just don't get it. To this day, it's just something that haunts me. So his dad left. I don't know why. I thought it was pretty cool, but apparently it wasn't. Um, he left and I became a single mother. At, uh, my son was eight months old. And I decided I'd uh, start a new relationship with the town's biggest drug addict, which seemed like a really, really, really good idea at the time. So by now, I'm a daily drinker. You know, the progression of this disease is real, and we all know that. You know, I, I used to call that sick to all these failed jobs and because of my, you know, I'm too hungover, I'm still drunk. And, and then I figured out I could just put booze in my purse and go work and keep drinking, and that would solve all my problems, right? So every single day I would go to work and I would be drunk the entire time. Christmas Day in 2014, my son and I, and this is a little bit traumatic, but I, I feel like it's healing for me to share my story this way. Um, I woke up on Christmas Day and I had four men with ski masks and baseball bats who invaded my home in front of my son. Trauma never really set in for me because I had something to take that trauma away and not deal with, and that, and that was the bottle. You know, I had so many different ways of not dealing with what happened. I never could even stop for a minute to think about what my four-year-old just witnessed and that every single Christmas afterwards is, you know, this is the way that he's going to imagine his Christmases from here on in, right? In the depths of my addiction, at this time, 
I found out a few months in that I was pregnant with my second son. So I had Colby. I was a functioning alcoholic with two kids. Somehow I just made it work, you know, I could drink all day and raise these two kids by myself and it just, I was okay, I did it, you know. Um, I met another man and, and after moving, hopping everywhere and, and, and not being able to make ends meet, we all decided to pick up and that's what brought me here to Alberta. We get to Alberta, I'm uh, living in Lethbridge at the time and it was within the first six to eight weeks that I had a massive breakdown in my relationship. We had a bender gone wrong. Um, when I woke up, the man in my dreams was gone. He woke up in a semi, he had taken, he jumped in a semi drunk and ended up in Manitoba. So here I am in Alberta, he's in Manitoba, and that's when it all hit me. It, everything was just, I thought I had lost my mind. I thought it was just, you know, crazy. I called my mom and dad and I told them I'm going to kill myself. I just, the drinking caught up to me. But at that time, the only thing I could think about, you know, was that I was crazy. It wasn't the booze, it's just me, right? I'm just crazy. Everybody leaves me. Me, 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 me. My parents jumped in a car, my dad jumped in a car. And he started driving the 12-hour trip to come and try and save my life. I had two little boys, and I don't remember a whole lot, but this is what I do remember. Is my mom called me and she said, Candace, there's two women that are going to show up at your house. And you don't know who they are, but you just have to trust me. And I didn't understand what she meant, but she needed to know your dad's six hours away and I have these women coming. I'm like, okay. I look out my window and I see two cars pull up. I see two women get out of these cars. They walk to each other. They shake each other's hands. They talk for a minute and then they walk inside my home. This is my first experience of the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Those two women were a part of AA. They were doing a 12-step call on me. And my mom, who is now also a member of AA and going on for six years of sobriety herself, reached across to her sponsor in Lethbridge and said, we need help. And that's how this program works, the magic. Like these women, this program has saved my life. You know, I didn't know these women. They didn't even know each other, but they knew each other. You know, so on I go, these angels stay with me until my dad got there. He grabbed my kids and he took them back to Manitoba and he brought me to my first detox center. I thought I was going to a psych ward. He said, uh, apparently, like I talked to a psych nurse and she looked at me and said, you're not crazy, you're just an alcoholic. I'm like, what? I'm like, you're crazy, man. I'm like, I'm crazy. And she's like, no, you're an alcoholic. I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't get it, like this total denial. Three days later, I woke up at detox and, and, and realized where I was. I, I was, you know, such a blur. I, I don't remember a lot of that period. So from this detox center, I got to experience my first AA meeting. You know, they said, you gotta go to these meetings every week. And I'm like, I don't wanna go to anything. They're like, just try it out, you know? And I, and I went in this room with all these people 
and the guy running it is telling the story of my life. I'm like, what? How does this guy know me? Like, this is crazy. And, and, and then, then he'd ask someone else to share and someone else to share. And all of these people are saying the story of my life. I could relate to every single one of them. And I was like, what is this magical room? Like, what is happening in here? You know, I think it's the spirituality which was starting to come out, you know. And, and then they asked me to share. And I've never been so terrified my whole life. And I thought people were going to judge me, you know, I thought people were going to make fun of me and, and, but I was the last one in the room and I really didn't have a choice and I had to share. So I shared and the feeling I had coming out of that was, I've never felt such a huge load lifted off my shoulders and had so many people come and hug me and say, great share, you know, that was amazing. I'm like, what? Like, why are these people so nice to me? <laughs> like, I don't know where this is coming from. I've never experienced this before. So right there, I'm like, I'm, I'm hooked on AA, man. Like, I got to figure out, you know, what this magic is all about. But they sent me to my first treatment center from there. Um, and my whole experience with treatment centers, as I'll go on in a bit to explain, but you know, treatment centers for me will get you sober. You know, they'll make you feel whole again. They'll make you feel like a person. But when you step out those doors into the real world, it's like getting off, you know, I always say you could, you, they put you in a boat without a life jacket and throw you off the boat and say, sink or swim. You know, what do you do after you get out of that bubble? Like, what do we do? So I got out of, uh, <clears throat> I got out of treatment And I drank again because two sons went away and one son came home. That, for me, reason to drink, right? Nobody, I still didn't know anything about this AA thing besides the magical room and the beautiful angels that showed up at my house. I still didn't understand yet what this was. So, like I say, treatment gets you sober, AA keeps you sober. In January of 2021, I finally arrived in Medicine Hat. There's a woman who's in this room tonight who found me. We met casually, and she found my phone number, and she said, come to Medicine Hat. And I didn't get at that time that she was that next angel in my life. She opened up her home to me when I was, you know, at the depths of my addiction. And, and took me in, like the big book said, and she gave me time, you know, she gave me patience and understanding and, and all, so much love. And I was just not getting, I get it now that she was working a program, right? <laughs> but I didn't get it, like I was like, oh cool, place to drink, you know? But she was helping me. And uh, once she got uh, sick of my, you know, stuff, she kicked me out of there, which is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. That year leading up to uh, that woman, I'd moved 14 times that year, and five of those were women's shelters. So the whole stability of my life and you know the unmanageability was pretty evident, pretty clear. But if she hadn't done what she'd done, I wouldn't have had that burning desire that really, you know, what are you doing? Like you need to address the fact that you have a problem. So I went to treatment center number two in Medicine Hat, which to me is probably the most spiritual, amazing experience I've ever been through. 
the people that work there and the experience that I personally had, I had an awakening there. Like I was just, I dropped to my knees, like, what is this power? Like it was phenomenal. So I went there and this time I came out and I'm like, I am doing this this time. I'm staying sober. This is what I'm doing. You know, I had AA actually, um, our MC today was speaking that night and left a very big impression on me when I was in the treatment center. Um, and the first thing I wanted to do was go to this AA meeting they talked about, you know. So I got out and went to the AA meeting and sat there waiting my turn because I knew everybody was waiting to hear what I had to say. That was the only thing that was important, you know. So I waited for my debut at AA and, and I said my piece and I went, awesome, I'm good now, right? I did it. I did my AA meeting and that's all I got to do. And then I drank again. You know, meeting makers don't make it. I get that now. I didn't get that back then because I didn't understand. So this AA angel woman, and I always say that, who uh, allowed me into her home, got a hold of me and said, how are you doing? You know, I'm like, I'm not doing very good. And come to a meeting, come to a meeting. I'm like, I don't want to go to a meeting. I got all, you know, people are going to judge me and this and that, and I'm fine. She just would not give up on me, this girl. So I show up at a meeting and I was so scared. And again, there's my story. There's all these people, you know, keep coming back and giving me hugs and like, what's your name? And here's my phone number. And I'm like, what is wrong with these people? Like, they're always so happy. <laughs> like, you know, they don't judge me. They don't, there's nothing that I'm doing that, that they don't love me for. They can love me until I love myself, you know? So this time in that particular meeting, I heard some people speak of a program. And I heard them speak of a sponsor, and I heard them speak of fellowship. These are things I hadn't heard before in the AA meeting, and I realized this is what I'm missing. This is what I need to do. I needed sobriety like I need oxygen. So I literally went around that room, every single person going, will you be my sponsor? Will you be my sponsor? Until somebody said yes. Whoever was gonna sponsor me and let me start the next day, that's who I wanted. So I did the steps with that sponsor. I was uh, completely through the 12 steps in the first 30 days. Um, I went at my sobriety like, you know, it was, it was my piano, you know, like it was something I needed and that's it. No working, no nothing, just everything AA, right? And when I did that step four and five at my sponsor's house, I always relate this to the Wizard of Oz, you know, how like Dorothy, you guys seen that movie, obviously, right? So Dorothy is like, it's like the black and white, right? And then we, we've got our addiction and it's in that like spiral of chaos and insanity. And then I did my step four and five and I opened the door from this lady's house. And when you come out the other side of a tornado and all that color and the dancing people and the happiness and all this crazy awesomeness, I saw clouds that were whiter than I've ever seen. I saw a sky that was like fluorescent blue. Like everything was like, wow, there's like all these trees and like all this flowers and like everything was so beautiful. I'm like, what the heck just happened? You know, I'd had a spiritual experience. You know, I felt like a brand new person. I had a new, you know, a new way of looking at life. And, and, and seeing the beauty around me that I never got to see before because I was so far down. I was blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. I didn't even know what any of that stuff was. And today, that's how I live my life. You know, everything I do 
is to give back to other people. You know, I can't say enough for a program, like I said, that saved my life. For my first year of sobriety, I graduated college in the top of my class. I now work in palliative care. I have service all day long, you know, and, and, and God speaks through every single person that I meet now. And, and I didn't even know what God was. I didn't know what a higher power was. I didn't think that anybody had my back, but I realized that I'm standing here today and I'm alive. He had my back this whole time. I was just too messed up to see it, you know? So I've got my very own home. I'm driving a brand new car. You know, these are things. I, I remember pulling my kids around in a wagon through winter because I just, you know, everything went to booze. Um, my eldest son, who never did come home, now comes to see me for most, about half the year, and he's in the process of returning home to me permanently. I have real friends today. The only reason I could get up here and say what I'm saying tonight is because I can look out and see family, which is something I never had before. And I know every single person in this room has my back. You know, when, they, when I pick up that phone at 3 a.m., they answer and vice versa. You know, I, I'm actually involved in a community, you know, and, I, and, and community life, and, and I'm returning to college to become a nurse. You know, I have a brain. <laughs> I never thought that I could be smart and do these things. And this program has given me a, a whole new life. My whole life is right ahead of me. You know, I'm 40 years old and, and I'm just starting to live life. But man, am I excited knowing that I can go to a meeting every single day and that I have, you know, so much more of this program to experience. In January 2023, this is something that I feel very passionate about speaking about tonight. Um, in January of 2023 of this year, my youngest son was officially diagnosed with FASD. That for me was a reason to drink back in the day. You know, with uh, the trauma that had happened to me and, and, and not knowing you're pregnant or whatever anybody's situation is, I know there's a lot of women out there that are afraid to talk about it and, and they live in shame and guilt over things like that. And as far as I'm concerned, Alcoholics Anonymous gave my son his mother back. You know, today I am able to support him. I'm able to help other women who have questions. You know, my son is such an amazing, special little boy. And, and before, like what would have happened if I didn't stop, you know? I don't know, I don't even want to think about it, but all I know is that the sport is in these rooms and that this program, it's truly magical. It's truly magical. And anybody that's struggling, you know, or are not sure where to go or not sure where to maintain your sobriety and be able to find a program for living, this is it. I actually call it a program for adulting because I never knew how to do that before and now I do. So I think that's all I have today. I hope that, uh, yeah, that's all I got. <laughs>